Happy Tuesday. We got a hot show to start your week off here. It is me, the managing editor of Wrestling Nick, Nick Hausman, back with the latest episode of The Winkly. And I'm joined here, as I am just about every Tuesday, by my good friend, my fellow grunt in the trenches of the pro wrestling war. It is Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly. Nick, I feel like I've been downgraded. I was your really, really good friend, and I'm just your good friend. You're my good friend, but you're also <laughs> you're also a grunt in the trenches, which is something I thought of while I was watching some. Uh, oh, I was watching uh, The Crown last night with Liz, and there was some World War One stuff, and I thought about trenches. I thought about you and how we well, were yeah. in one. You know. Well, you know, we've been we've been to the uh, Starcast battleground together. We've mm-hmm. been to coverage together, right? Sure. So I appreciate that. That's true. You know, it, it is it is like a war. Sometimes you're out there with all your fellow journalists. You got to get the first word in. Sure. You got to make sure your question is heard. Ugh. You got to beat up some other POWs. Ugh. I mean, it's the way it goes. Uh, I did learn something today, Nick, though, and that, that is, if, that? if we're ever at a carnival together, don't go into the tent with you. <laughs> don't go in the tent with Nick. All right. Anyway. Uh, Can you do like an after hours, right? <laughs> like wrestling, a weekly after hours podcast where all of our pre and post show banter gets captured. Don't don't start with me. We got too much to get into here today, Patreon Michael. exclusive. <laughs> this is too much. We got too much to get into here today, Michael. This is a very big show. We have some very big guests. We were talking about pro wrestling journalism being in the trenches. Well, later on in the show. Uh, we're going to hear from pro, fellow pro wrestling journalist uh, Ryan Satin. Ryan, of course, is going to be, or he is a part of WWE backstage now. It's going to be tonight. Uh, I believe it's 1110 Central uh, over on FS1. Uh, Ryan's going to be here. He's going to be talking to us uh, all about uh, CM Punk's big debut last week on the show, uh, how he got hired for the show, what it's like working for Fox while reporting on WWE. I think you guys are going to like this one a lot. And then before Ryan, right after the news, Big, huge, super huge interview, AEW president Tony Khan here with us today. Uh, of course, our leadoff news items that we're going to get to here in just a moment revolve around Tony Khan. Yes, in the interview I do with Tony Khan, I do ask him about CM Punk tagging him and Vince McMahon in a tweet together because we recorded this just yesterday. A uh, half hour after we recorded that uh, interview, Tony would go on to reply to that CM Punk tweet and completely break the internet. So we'll get to that here in just a minute. Uh, but we talked to Tony about that, Bash at the Beach, all things AEW, uh, another big one. A slam banger here to start the week, Michael. Tony How Khan. How did you line those up, dude? How, especially Tony Khan. How did you land that? Well, here's well, Tony Khan is just he's very engaged with the press. You know, uh, The first five minutes of the interview are really just kind of us gushing back and forth about how I've been to every AEW show, and I'm like, thank you for giving me shows to go to and allowing me access in these kinds of conversations to cover your business correctly. So um, It's a very different model. I mean, for those of you guys who aren't kind of behind the the curtain here on the coverage side, behind the notepad and pen, right, it's, it's very different because they actually do media interviews. Yeah. And while WWE will set up some of that stuff, it's kind of like you have to go through a few layers to sure. get somebody – and then it's never at an event. It's never immediately after a show. Well, um, that's not true. It will give you their press releases, that's so it's not, very different. That's not very true. I want to give some credit here to WWE because this weekend, Survivor Series is coming to my backyard in Chicago. I'll be at all four events. I'll be at SmackDown, uh, War Games, Survivor Series, and Raw. And there is a post-show scrum after NXT TakeOver with Triple H, so I'll be participating in that. So there is some some chance to interact with the brand. Uh, but just, you know, the, the regular access that AEW has given me to not just the scrums, but also the talent between shows and things like that. They've been very, very transparent and they've been very uh, open to working with the media. And I just wanted to give them some props for that here. Um, sure. And you know and that is true. Triple H does a good job of that. He's been doing it for a couple of sure. years. Yeah. And, and and he talks very real in a way that you don't hear often from WWE brass. So, yeah, yeah kudos there for but, sure. OK, well, here's the thing. And I, I usually plug tomorrow's show. What's going to happen tomorrow show at the end of the at the end of this show? And I will still do that. But I'm going to blow your mind right now because this is such a big week, Michael. 
Today, we have Tony Khan and Ryan Satin. Tomorrow, you're going to get the full audio from Triple H's pre-takeover media call, which is, hmm. like a, which is like a virtual scrum, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll get that tomorrow. And uh, I don't know if you went to the bottom of the run sheet. Do you know who the guest is tomorrow other than the Triple H media call? I do not know. I've not looked at the bottom. It's Hugo Savinovich. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's Hugo <laughs> Savinovich. You're going to get to hear. So today's Tony Conrad sat and tomorrow's Hugo Savinovich and the full audio from Triple H's takeover call. Isn't this a neat week? Isn't this a fun Dude, week? did you ask him? <laughs> what, Hugo? What, did I ask yes. him about the Saudi story? Yes. Dude, it's like half the interview. Dude. It's like half. Tease it. Oh, what, what, what happened there? If you Come are, on now. If you are not subscribed to Wrestling Inc. Audio, if you are not listening to the Winkly, I'm not. I swear, guys, I put my all into this show. This is the my dream pro wrestling news show, and we're finally, we're burning on all gears right now. The guests are great. The content is great. The punditry is great. You know, with, with that, enough, enough talking here at the top of the show. Let's get to it here. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. I'm going to start off a bit innocuously here, right? Um, so yesterday, AJ Lee, the wife of CM Punk, decided to jump back on Twitter, make a little joke, uh, been offline, what did I miss? Of course, her husband, CM Punk, he, he's now on WWE backstage. Very buzzy. We're going to hear from Ryan about that in a little bit. Now, CM Punk, I guess, in a, in a spirited good mood now that he's back and doing things, decides to, to throw, out a little, throw out a little tweet of his own to create some, some conversation. Uh, he tweets out, it is weird. Trying to catch up on five-plus years of wrestling. I'm doing what I can. There's bright spots, mostly women, from what I can tell. There's bad, too. I'm going to talk about it, and no one is safe. Join us. And then he tags Renee Young, WWE on Fox, Booker T, Paige, Vince McMahon, and, weirdly, Tony Khan. Huh. Why Why do you think he tagged Tony? He's not going to talk about AEW on backstage, I don't think. Would he? Is he? I mean, if this is a true sports show, right, and we know there is the WWE overlap, they have that partnership there, but yeah, Fox has done sports shows around MMA, and it's not just been UFC, even though they had that partnership for many years. They also talked about um, what Showtime was doing at the time. They talked about all the other leagues. So yeah, and it feels like maybe Punk, and he didn't say five years of WWE, he said five years of wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. I saw that quote, I was like... God, it's 2019. Back in 2014, things were very – imagine going back and thinking about the last five years, not just WWE with the women's movement, but also with New Japan and the rise of uh, you know being the elite and eventually AEW, what Ring of Honor has done in that time. Dude, there's been so much that's, that's right at the tail end of the Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff era in TNA, yeah. and man, things are just totally different. So it's, it, if he wasn't really keeping up with it, which I think Punk's been a busy dude – um, a lot to talk about, but it does imply to me, tagging Tony Khan here, that he's going to talk a little bit more broadly about the sport and entertainment as a whole. All right. Well, so Tony gets gets wind of this. He obviously he knew we talk. You're going to hear him talk about the tweet here in a little bit. The original tweet that Punk just sent to him. Well, Tony, I guess he hangs up the interview. He hangs up the phone with me. He goes over to his his phone. He's sitting there. He's thinking, hmm. You know, I'm wondering if too, if he's like hit, is he hitting up the bucks? You know, Cody, how do I respond to this? This is a very <laughs> weird thing, right? That has just happened to me here. So Tony Khan, he shoots pretty hard here. He says, no one is safe? Question mark. Sounds like a plane full of wrestlers <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Stiff. And here's the thing: is the reason I say did he did he ask the bucks how to respond? Because the bucks have also been poking fun at this. Uh, over on social media as well. So, I don't know. What was your reaction when you saw Tony Khan's original tweet here? 
Well, so th this is an interesting thing because it seems like Tony Khan takes a sharp left. And, he, you know, there is some history here with CM Punk and AEW and, of course, right. what happened with him and Cody Rhodes. And did we have discussions or CM Punk's like nobody called me, whatever. All those things happened, right? And if you remember Tony Khan, and maybe it was even you who asked the question, but back, you know, when they did their show earlier this year, Tony Khan was very clear about saying Punk was one of those guys I wanted when I envisioned this this thing happening, all elite wrestling. So there's some history there, but con here, this no one is safe. Sounds like a plane full of wrestlers. He takes a sharp left turn away from punk more to punch at WWE. Well, but, when it's not, you know, but at the same time, I think he's like making, you know, punk, you chose where to be here. Now, you, you know, make, you know, slice the hairs you like here works for Fox doesn't work for WWE, but he's, he's back in the WWE fold. So to speak, I think this was Tony, you know, maybe poking him a little bit for picking a side. And, you know, that's the reason he chose to, to hit him hardest there in that moment. You know, it could be. Yeah. And I dig it. I, I like what Tony did here yeah. because he is the competition and he is trying to take. I mean, they will say they're not trying to take out WWE, but all elite wrestling obviously understands that WWE is their competition. So I dig the response. So so Tony Khan sends this out. I, I thought so, too. And so here here's what's great about this is so I see this. Now, granted, I just finished interviewing Tony. Then I'm, I'm like, I finished writing up my headlines and timestamps. I just submitted them to Raj. I've opened up my Twitter to see what's going on before Raw. I see this. I'm like, well, that's a stiff shot. Uh, I sent it to a couple friends. Like, what do you think? One of those friends that I sent it to was Bill Apter um, to, <laughs> to get his perspective on this. Bill calls me and goes, Nick, I'm going to do a video about this real quick <laughs> online. Can I, can I record a couple minutes with you on my phone? And I'm like, sure, Bill. And so this is already online, by the way. You can go find this. Bill Apter and I, we talked for like three to five minutes here about this. But Bill did not know I had just finished talking to Tony Khan before we started recording. And I told him that, and it, like, blew his mind. And it was just a wonderful moment there, breaking news to Bill Apter on his wrestling uh, news platform. So, anyway. Historic make... wrestling journalist Bill Apter, for those of you guys. So, so, I'm, I'm, so it's like I did the interview. Boom, I come back. Wow, I do this. I go, I do Bill Apter's video. Wow, this is crazy. I come back. I open up my phone. There's more, Michael. Because <laughs> Randy Orton, he took to Twitter. He responded to Tony Khan's tweet linking everyone to an October 2018 Jacksonville.com article on how AEW lead investor Shahid Khan, who's Tony's dad, uh, was being investigated for corruption with the uh, line here. He wrote, what's that whole thing about glass houses and stones? Well, Tony, I mean, look, this now this this is getting hot now, right? Like, to... <laughs> the hell is Orton doing here, right? He's just interjecting himself in here just to stir them. Like, or Orton is one of those guys, I imagine, that just likes to set up the dominoes and watch everything <laughs> fall. Like, that's what he does. He's just, he's at a stage in life. He's got money. He's got a family. He's got a career. And he's just like, yeah, I got time to screw around. Let me just poke the bear, right? Dude, a hundred percent. I see Orton sitting there, maybe a little scotch on the rocks in his hand, rolling it around. How do I really mess with these people? I'm completely untouchable. There's nothing that can happen to me. So Tony here. All right. Fired up. All right. I guess let's go. So Tony, he responds to Randy Orton. I thought you only tagged me in your post when you were grasping for leverage. That article's over a year old. Plus is about baseless claims made about my dad years ago. That's the best you can do. Nothing. Meanwhile, in the time since that was written, you used the N-word on Twitch, which was a story that did not, I think, get as much attention as I was expecting it to. But yeah, Randy Orton, casually playing video games, dropped the N-word about a month and a, uh, or so ago. 
And uh, Tony decided to, to fight back with that. So anyway, the last chapter in this whole back and forth, and at this point, CM Punk, the person who initiated all this, and it's now this is now no longer about CM Punk and Tony Khan. Yep. Randy Orton closes it out by saying, Jacksonville Dixie, why else would I tag you? If I wanted to talk business, I'd call your father, kissy face emoji, which is very suspect because Randy Orton has already accused Tony's father of being corrupt, but right. I guess that's the kind of business advice that Randy Orton is looking for. What a lead story here to start the Winkley off today. Wow. I mean, listen, CM Punk had to tag his way out of this because he's too busy <laughs> getting tweeted at by Seth Rollins. Right. I mean, Seth Rollins is over here. Come on, me too, guys. Can I be involved in the Twitter conversation? I want to <sighs> fight CM Punk. So, you know, Punk's probably got his hands full of that. Am I right? Man. Um, Man. Yeah, no, this is this is crazy and insanity. And here's the thing about it, right? Okay. So Tony Khan here, I think, is the most interesting player in all of this. Orton's tweet, not entirely surprising. His reaction here at the end feels very kind of like a I need the final word in here. This Jacksonville Dixie thing, I don't think it doesn't really apply because Tony Khan is a businessman with a lot of funding, and Dixie Carter was in a very different financial situation. And there wasn't the hype there, I think, in the last few years that Tony Khan and AEW, quite frankly, have. So this is very suspect on my part. To your point, you mentioned this. He said, um, I'd call your father after already dragging his father through the mud. Right. So Randy Orton here just wanting to get the last word in. But Tony Khan, God bless the dude. He takes he takes the high road while still giving him a low blow. No I, you know, this whole thing about you only tag me when you need leverage, spot on. And I, I agree, cannot believe this was not talked about more. And the same time since that was written, you used the N-word on Twitch. And I think everybody at the time, Nick, got caught up around the fact that Randy Orton was putting over AEW on this weird Twitch stream. But yeah, Randy Orton used a racist offensive term right. on Twitch. They kicked Hogan and, out of the Hall of Fame. Not kicked him out. They, they like just dimmed the lights on his statue for a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, and it got no mainstream coverage or and not much play. And I don't really know why other than people were too caught up in the, will Randy Orton go to AEW conversation, which what are our priorities as journalists here? Right. Man. But yeah, man, I mean, uh, I think, I think Orton comes out of this looking the worst of all, quite I frankly, think, you know, but here's the thing. I, I don't think anybody walks away from this looking like better or worse. It's just a thing, in my opinion. Uh, Randy Orton's going to go back to being Randy Orton again. I would not be I would not be shocked if some scotch on the rocks was not involved in what Randy was tweeting. And again, as we were saying earlier, I don't think he really cares either way. If he gets in trouble, he gets heat, whatever. It doesn't matter to him. Uh, Tony Khan. Uh, I thought the first shot was uh, definitely something that was very DX-ish. Like, if this sure. had been 96, 97, hell yeah! If WCW's roster had been trapped in North Korea, you, that DX would have been all over that, doing doing bits and stuff about it, you know? So I don't think, I don't see any of this really off, uh, out of bounds. You know, <laughs> accusing his father of corruption with a false article, that's maybe a little, little much for Morton. Um, but this is the kind of stuff that wrestling fans want. This is the kind of stuff they have been craving. Everybody was playing very nice the first month or so in this, you know, whatever you want to call it, Wednesday Night War. And I knew it was just a matter of time before everybody got comfortable. And we started seeing some of this because this is, this is, this is exactly the kind of stuff that really created, uh, you know, attention in, in the 90s around the Attitude Era. And I don't know if it always needs to get this heated or stiff, but more stuff like this, I think, is definitely on the horizon. And I think it, you know, I think it just creates more interest in the wrestling business, you know? 
Yeah, it adds an element of like realism to the thing that fans always crave. We want to see more behind the curtain, right? It's the pipe bomb promo all over again. Like, yeah, say, give us something that's real, not something that's fabricated through the WWE Stanford, Connecticut system, right? Yeah. And so I think all of that does add to the the fun of being a pro wrestling fan and a pro wrestling journalist here. Um, you know, it's it's I like it. On the other hand, I do feel like WWE especially takes more shortcuts with their storytelling now. And I made this comment on Twitter last week. Like it feels like now calling somebody out on Twitter is their new way to try to shortcut a six month program, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the day, you might've got a six months build, six month build to Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, but now it would be Bret Hart would just at him. (laughs) And, and I feel like that's the one downside to it. I do like that. They carry the storytelling over. And I think Twitter is much more accessible. Like these little tweets, these little 250 characters, blurbs are much more easier for casual fans to get into than keeping up with being the elite every week. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's cool and all, but I also think that WWE, um, especially Seth Rollins, again, calling out CM Punk multiple times in the last week, uh, just leans into it a little bit too much sometimes to try I mean, Randy Orton did it too, though. Right. He called out John Cena on Twitter, trying to stir up the pot for a big mania payday. Right. So yeah. 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 Well, Randy Orton again, he loves the scotch in his Twitter, you know, and God bless. I am just, uh, just stay away from the offensive epitaphs. I think we're going to be okay here. Is uh, Randy Orton the 2019's Kevin Nash? Like Kevin Nash was doing dude, this about. I was thinking he I was totally <laughs> thinking about uh Kevin Nash when we were talking about Randy Orton here cuz this is such a Nash thing to do to sit there and laugh and poke the bear and watch everybody freak out and then go take a nap or something. Um all right. <clears throat> Let's talk about AEW versus NXT. Uh Showbuzz Daily reporting that uh AEW did defeat NXT in the ratings war, the viewership war here. For week seven, uh, Wednesday's post-full gear edition of Dynamite on TNT drew 957,000 viewers, so just shy of a million. Uh, NXT, on the other hand, uh, 750,000 viewers uh, on USA, meaning Dynamite, uh, Dynamite outscored NXT by 27.6% uh, this past week. Uh, AEW ranked number five in the cable top 150 uh, for the 18-49 to 49 dem- demo, while NXT was down at 22 AEW ranked 37 in total viewership, while NXT ranked 41. So a little closer there uh, in the overall viewership. Uh, Last week's Dynamite episode drew 822,000 viewers, and it ranked number eight. So uh, this past week was up. Uh, Last week's, uh, the week before, uh, NXT drew 813,000 viewers. So this past week's was a little down. So AEW went up. NXT went down. Now, uh, AEW Dynamite this week is going to, or tomorrow night's going to feature Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix. Very interesting matchup. And we're also going to get John Moxley versus Darby Allen. And of course, uh, all the inner circle shenanigans, uh, all the follow up, MJF, all that type stuff. Over on NXT, it's largely built around this ladder match as we go into war games here between Adam Cole and Dominic uh, Dijakovic. So, um, what, what's your take? What's your takeaway from these numbers? And what do you think we can expect uh, this week, uh, Michael? I, I don't normally do this, but I went back and listened to our podcast from last week to see what predictions I gave for these numbers, and it came strikingly close. The, the numbers were 957 to 750. I said 925 to 795. Not surprising here, right? AEW was coming off of a pay-per-view, which right. historically means that a TV show gets a rebound, um, and it was a good pay-per-view, well-received overall, despite some criticisms by certain wrestling fan circles. So, yeah, not surprising there. Also... NXT was coming off a week of those weird overseas shows that I think SmackDown and Raw were both kind of weak. They were both softened. NXT wasn't featured quite as prominently or quite as positively. So it does not surprise me. NXT, on the other hand, did go down. Um, so yeah, 785, 925, again, I think NXT leveling off around 750 to 800,000 is normal. Now, what I will say, though, is you mentioned what's advertised for this week. A solid card here from AEW Dynamite. 
I'm uh, really looking forward to Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix. They yeah. built that kind of the right way by telling the story of what this means to them. So I think that's cool. But I also think that WWE is responding the right way, and that is they have given us some hooks for this week's show. We'll talk about Raw here in a minute. But they've kind of teased some things, the ladder match, a week out from – less than a week out from War Games and Survivor Series. So I would expect NXT to go back up. And I guess my point here is NXT – does better when it's being spotlighted by the two main shows, Raw and SmackDown. And when it's treated positively, and you saw that rebound happen, because there was really no other reason for NXT to go up so much two weeks ago and then drop last week. So again, I think they're going to we're going to see those numbers go up. An ongoing story with NXT is positive. Um, and I, I like that Raw this week kind of said, tune in to Wednesday night to see how this story keeps playing out, because yeah. that, that makes for some interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I look, I, I'm on the hook for both. I agree. It's very exciting going into this week, and of course, I'm, I'm like ultra on the hook because I'm going to get to participate in all of it here, uh, all four shows. So yeah, I'm on the hook for NXT, and I'm on the hook for AEW this week. It's just an exciting time for pro wrestling, and when you sprinkle in these kind of you know, shoot style Twitter wars that really, you know, uh, grab the, the hardest of hardcore fans. It really, I don't know. There's like, there's some energy around it. You know, I don't know that everybody involved with that exchange of tweets maybe would be like, wow, how much fun that was. But, you know, I think for the fans out there, they see it. And this is the, you know, this is the kind of energy we're getting closer to what uh, people have been expecting from this, from this era here. Uh, well, I also think, too, and it's the thing that we haven't talked a whole lot about on this show or in general, but, you know, it used to be you had Raw and SmackDown there for a while Monday and Tuesday, or Raw and SmackDown were Monday and Friday, and there were all this time in the middle of the week where wrestling was not happening. You might see some news stories pop out of here, but wrestling has kind of created this ongoing news cycle for itself, much like all the other sports have, ESPN has with football and all that kind of stuff, where wrestling is interesting Every day. And so if something bad happens on a Monday or a Tuesday, it can kind of cycle out of the news. If a show is terrible, it's kind of gone by the middle of the week because we're kind of onto something else. Our attention span is so divided and we're so, you know, so short on attention span these days. And I think that's good overall because we can focus on the positive and we can come back to the things that are good and the really bad things, they will surface and stay up there. But it's not like we're going to dwell on hell in a cell for weeks on end that we're not dwelling on anymore, right? No. Uh, well, uh, AEW, uh, last bits of AEW news here. Uh, AEW announced uh, yesterday they're bringing back Bash at the Beach. It's coming back in January. It's going to book in the Jericho Cruise. It's going to span over two episodes of Dynamite. It'll feature matches from the Jericho Cruise. I don't want to spend uh, much time at all on this because I do ask Tony about it right at the top of our interview, and you can hear from the horse's mouth what the plans are for Bash at the Beach. But very exciting that they're bringing that back. And also AEW has filed a trademark for the name All Elite Wrestling Blood and Guts. Uh, they filed for that last Wednesday, <laughs> November 13th. Uh, it looks like the Blood and Guts trademark could be used for some kind of pro wrestling event or service, uh, possibly the next pay-per-view in early 2020. That has not been confirmed. Uh, it is interesting, of course, that AEW is using this name as Vince McMahon referred to the Blood and Guts content that AEW puts on during the WWE Q2 earnings call earlier this year. Uh, the filing, by the way, and you can go check this out on Wrestling Inc., uh, also contained a logo for the show, which actually kind of looks kind of cool. It kind of looks like a War Games type logo. Um, but man, uh, blood and guts for everybody who hated Moxley versus Omega. Strap in. I don't think that aspect of AEW is going anywhere anytime soon, buddy. 
Well, not everybody likes it, but there is obviously a fan base out there that does like it and does appreciate it. And yeah. there's enough going on. Again, like I just said, there's enough going on that if you don't want to watch that show, you don't have to watch that show. You still have other wrestling to watch, and that show will be over in the next week. AEW will be doing something different. So I like the idea. I like tapping into that hardcore fan base every once in a while. Don't do it every week. Don't do it all the time. But doing a whole show dedicated to it could be really interesting, and you have the right talent on the roster and the right creative freedom to make it something Something really unique. Uh, well, the next story here. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. We have more AEW. This is my pivot story here. Uh, as we move into WWE news here, uh, the Observer reporting that WWE hasn't released so, uh, hasn't released some of the talent who went public with the request, such as Luke Harper and Mike Kanellis. Uh, but it was noted that they uh, stopped granting releases after giving them to Sean Spears and Dustin Rhodes, who went on to add value to AEW, and Hideo Itami, who returned to New Japan. Uh, with an impact earlier this year. Now, however, word is going around now that they may be giving releases once again, at least to some talents, with the belief that those talents who get released wouldn't be signing with AEW, or if they did, they're not going to help AEW anyway. Now, with that said, it is believed that Sin Cara, uh, the most recent wrestler to publicly ask for their release, he does have a chance of getting uh, released. Now, he's, he, they said he might go to Combates America uh, or it's been reported that he might go down to Combates America uh, with Alberto uh, El Patron. Now, uh, I want to real quickly here rifle through uh, a couple uh, or two other uh, superstars that look like they, they could be on their way out. Well, one of them, PWInsider.com reporting uh, 205 Live star Oni Lorcan. Uh, he's also reportedly requested his release from WWE. It hasn't been granted yet, but it should be noted over on Twitter, Lorcan has already uh, referred to himself by his old ring name, Biff Busick. Uh, that's the name he used when he was in CZW, Pro Wrestling, Gorilla, and Chaotic Wrestling. Now, uh, Rusev, who's, re who's currently in the uh, storyline with Lana and Lashley, uh, a fan chided him for resigning with the company, and he responded with, Who said I resigned? Teasing, maybe this man has not resigned. Maybe he's going <laughs> to leave here in just a second. Uh, I will also throw in Brian Kendrick tweeted out um, that he is, uh, he says, It's been three years since my last Cruiserweight title opportunity. Since then, it's become evident that nobody on 205 Live understands nor respects the road I paved for them. Therefore, I'm taking an indefinite leave of absence. Now, that could be part of a storyline. Who knows? As, as the thing with Rusev may be part of a storyline. But we know Sin Cara has asked for his release. Uh, Oni, it does sound like, has asked for his release. And, of course, somebody who's very publicly asked for their release, not only just asked for their release, uh, said they quit and uh, accused uh, WWE of racism is Jordan Miles, uh, a.k.a. Super ACH, the name I think he'd prefer to be called uh, these days. Uh, I'll throw this in here as well. We can reflect on all of the <laughs> – we can reflect on the whole revolving door, I guess, when I get this all out, Michael. So the Wrestling Observer reporting that WWE made a mistake with the Miles shirt. It was quickly rectified, but WWE feels Miles has gone about things regarding this situation the wrong way. They, The officials apparently at WWE – WWE reportedly uh, very much tried working with Miles to help him out in the weeks before he went public with his issues. This was around the time he was no longer being seen at the Performance Center in Orlando. Miles has been in contact with at least one other wrestling promotion with him wanting to make an appearance, but that might not be legally possible as there is no indication that WWE has released him. There's also no word yet on which promotion Miles reached out to. Now, Miles himself took to Twitter, did a live video Q&A. He was asked about what promotion he'd like to go to next. He said New Japan. Not that I got anything against AEW, but New Japan. I love New Japan. I feel like I got more left to accomplish there. On if he can legally move on from WWE, he said legally no. Mentally, yeah, of course. I'm already, there. I'm already out. <laughs> um, uh, on rumored mental health issues, 
He said, the thing about mental health, I do suffer with anxiety and I do suffer with depression and I can have bad mood swings sometimes. But that doesn't mean when I speak out, it doesn't have any meaning behind it. The T-shirt triggered things from my past and it all came up at once and a lot of anger from my past came up with it as well. That caused me to come at people the way I did. Again, I'm not going to apologize for what I said. What I said, I meant it. And uh, when asked about the offensive comments he made towards Jay Lethal, he said there's a huge story behind it. And to be fair and respectful, I won't disclose that story. I won't disclose that story because I won't throw more salt on his name that I already have. I think any issues between him and I, now that it's out there, I'm cool, I'm straight, it is what it is. You know what I mean? But our beef is our beef. There may not be any beef, to be fair. There ain't no beef on my end. I said what I said. I said what I had to say, and I'm done. I'm done with it. I got everything off my chest. It's out there in the public eye. If anybody wants to know, your best bet is to ask him or ask around. There were a ton of people around, and Jay Lethal has not respond. He says has not responded to him, and uh, we haven't heard. From, I haven't heard anything from Jay about what was said uh, either. So, uh, whoo, kind of <laughs> meant to take these one at a time, but they all play off of each other. I mean, it just kind of shows sure. an environment of uh, people uh, again, man. It was like this. This. This kind of situation died down a month or two ago where people – you were hearing less people publicly grieving, less people looking to leave. It's back, man, in a big way. That's like five or six stories there all playing off each other. Yeah, I'll take the easy one out of the uh, equation here. Rusev, he always just likes to kind of troll people on Twitter some. So <clears throat> it's always hard to say here does he – is he take him at face value? Do we believe that he is actually questioning like maybe I didn't resign or is he just screwing with the fan? So I am less – expecting that this Rusev story goes somewhere. Sure, agreed. That, that being said, everything else on here, I think, um, you know, is, is more interesting. Uh, Sean Spears, Dustin Rhodes, I guarantee you when WWE released them, they did not expect them to go be such big players in AEW. Triple H was rumored to have helped encourage WWE to let Dustin Rhodes go. They right. probably figured, hey, he's going to go with AEW, sign down there and be a trainer, be a legend to kind of help promote things. No, they used him as a and very well, effectively, and, and I might also, add. And you also, you know, the mole argument has been brought up to me in regards to Dustin Rhodes, too. If you know he's going to be talking with Cody every day because they're brothers. Do you really want sure. that guy backstage at WWE while your competition is launching? So also something to keep in mind anyway. Right. But, but also they did you. Yeah. Great point. And he was used very effectively as an on-screen talent. So that was like kind of a double whammy for them. So I can understand why they kind of got tight knit here. Right. Uh, Mike Kanellis is interesting because he's not a big, I think player in the WWE right now. He, his name really, I think more recognized and more associated with what he did with impact. And so him going somewhere else, I don't think feels like, Oh, another WWE guy got away as much as it does that he wasn't the right fit for WWE. He has some of the personal things going on um, him signing with maybe going back to impact or signing with somebody else might not be surprised. Keep in mind too, AEW has said numerous times, Jericho has said it, Tony Khan has said it, they're not just looking to add to the roster extensively here. So just because somebody wants to get released from WWE doesn't mean they're going to pull a Jack Swagger, doesn't mean they're going to pull a Sean Spears and go sign with AEW either, right? That being said, somebody like Luke Harper, who has been established in WWE for years, has been given some singles runs there against Dean Ambrose and that really good Intercontinental Championship feud and what yeah. I called the fight over the white wife beater match at the time when they both wore the same outfits. Sure. Um, Intercontinental Championship feud. Uh, whenever they did that, it really did spotlight Luke Harper and what he can do, and the dude can go in the ring. Mm -hmm. And so... I think if he gets loose, maybe he goes to New Japan. Who knows what he wants to do? But I think AEW would be really smart to add him to their roster. And out of all the names we just listed, I think he makes the biggest impact as being an ex WWE guy. I, you know, I, I think you're, I think there's something to that. 
Um, I think it's really interesting. Uh, and I, again, like this is a report. I can't believe that there would be such a flippant attitude from WWE that if we let any of our talent go, there's they're not going to be able to help AEW, even if AEW does sign them. Like AEW, if they bring people in, the odds are they've probably got something in mind for him, right? Like I don't right. know that you could call him Sin Cara, you know, if he was he's got a different idea of what he wants to do, but. You know, veteran trained wrestler definitely could work with younger talent, elevate them, you know. And then Oni Lorcan, man, dude, nobody owned Twitter better this year than Oni Lorcan. And when you look at AEW's MO, I think a guy like that would really, really exceed in an AEW environment. Absolutely. And for different reasons, right? I mean, Sin Cara could be, they haven't really doubled down as much on a luchador style down there in AW. And so, you know, it could be interesting to add him in there as a legend and do some more work, but the combates Americana, I think that makes more sense, but Oni Larkin here, he brings that Twitter presence, which does lean into what AEW has done a lot. And less of a main main stage guy, I think, that people are going to be like, oh, an ex-WWE guy, but still a noteworthy person here. I think Jordan Miles is the guy for me that, <clears throat> no dice, right? Only because, and I know this is kind of a two-way street here, I think the way he's marketed himself leaving WWE, there, there was a story there that was worth telling. And it needed to get out, and I'm glad he spoke his mind. However, I think it's kind of gone on to a point, not that he's not that he's wrong to talk about his grievances, but he's done so much and made so much noise about so many different things that I think, I mean, especially calling out Jay Lethal and then saying, well, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, doing these things like signing up his, doing the Cody Rhodes thing, here are my list of potential dream opponents. I think there's a certain level of baggage that Jordan Miles is going to have to shake off. I, not, I don't want to say, I just think that, I, I think he's got to figure out what it is he wants to do next and focus on, I'm going to make that a positive experience rather than, hey, WWE screwed me over, and I want to talk about that some more. So I think he's got to kind of clean all that up before AEW would want to bring him in the right way. You know, and, and I do wonder if WWE would let him go to just to see what happens with him. You know, Again, with ACH, you know, the, the thing here is he's created con – look, controversy creates cash, right? He's created a lot sure. of noise, a lot of interest. Like if ACH started popping up on House of Hardcore shows, maybe – popped up on impact i mean if he popped up on impact people tune in man see what this guy's gonna say say and do this is just part of the pro wrestling business so I, I i get why they're hesitant to release him i i agree he's made a lot of noise here right now i think there's a lot more of this story yet to be told from on his part um I, i'd like i'd still there's still a lot of unanswered questions i have about what led to this uh and especially when he talks about being triggered from things in his past and and how that played into what he I, I i'm interested right he's made a lot of noise so I get why they're they're reluctant to let him go, but if he does get let go, I, I think you're. I think that the, I think we see him pop up on some bigger indies. I think you're right. He, he tries to shake that baggage off of anybody who's wary about getting caught up in the storm if he if he decides to go another direction again. But I think that he's. I think the ACH is absolutely going to be salvageable, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him doing some kind of prominent here by the end of 2020. Well, I think that's fair. And, and, and let me let me say this, too. Nothing in all these guys here. Right. They all have a lot to offer. And we've seen guys kind of get repackaged and spotlighted in various ways and do amazing things afterwards that we'd never seen before. Right. My big thing is a guy like Jordan Miles, ACH. Right. Um, and I said the same thing about Mox. Whenever he left WWE, he did the podcast. I think it was a podcast worth right. listening to, worth telling. But after a while, when you beat that same drum for so long, you're focusing on what somebody else is doing or has done to you and not what you can do outside of that right. something. 
something else, yeah, right? And, and I think that's a great pair. I think that's a great parallel, Michael. I think that's very smart. That's a good good way to look at that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. No, and, and so that's like again, let's see. Yeah, into 2020, I think that's a great timetable. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on to some SmackDown Raw news. Uh, past Friday night on SmackDown, uh, the episode on Fox drew an average of 2.309 million viewers. Uh, that number's down from last week's SmackDown of 2.610. So. Uh, 300,000 uh, viewer drop, and last week's episode was taped from England. Now, of course, this week's show started off uh, with the latest King Corbin ragging on Roman Reigns as if he is an actual dog. Uh, now, this segment, uh, this segment, <laughs> this is a wrestling show, not a furry convention. Let's just clarify. Well, they debuted the Roman Reigns dog mascot. Now, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard. Obviously, I've seen on Twitter people you know, bragging on this to no end. I've heard that, you know, maybe this, the Fox people weren't so happy with the, this segment here, you know, not the kind of compelling storyline they're looking for. Uh, and on top of this, you know, maybe there's a method to the madness here, Michael, because the Wrestling Observer reporting that this could all lead uh, to a dog collar match because WWE is considering putting Reigns and Corbin in a dog collar match at the TLC DC pay-per-view well, that's gonna put some butts in the seats huh tlc dc pay-per-view uh what oh dude what now dude. this was this was a rough watch i'd also bugged the crap out of me that he was like shake my hand and the dog never shook the dogman never shook his hand at the end and he still acted like he did it's so weird i want to see that dog wrestle can we get him in the ring i bet he's good that he can go. I have uh, so okay. So WWE is going to be in in Chicago here for four days, right? So I have a bunch of my local indie wrestling friends. They all get booked to be squashed or play backstage people or security agents and things like that. I had one of my friends tell me, "I want to be the dog." <laughs> <laughs> it was like back when Adam Rose used to do the uh, the train, right? And everybody wanted to be the bunny. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Everybody wanted to be the. Dog. Yeah, I had one friend come. He goes, "Man, I want to be that dog." And the reason this is great reasoning too. Because if the dog mascot continues and they ever make an action figure, he will be able to say, this is me. Yes. Oh, dude, that's good. That's good stuff. No, this is, um, yeah, this was an unfortunate segment. And it was the exact same, not the exact same, right? But it was the same joke and the same riff they did the week before where Baron Corbin came out at the beginning of the show, made fun of Roman Reigns for the big dog moniker, right? And, and I'm going to get my little plug in here. We talked about this a lot on the SmackDown postgame show on Friday night with uh, Glenn and Matt Morgan. So please check that out for the entire experience of breaking down SmackDown here. But the big thing for me is, Baron Corbin has a lot of potential, and I think him and this King Corbin gimmick is a good idea. And if you hear him talk about things like Queen is accusing Roman Reigns of, you know, kind of like, you know, you, you think you're the leader of this locker room, and yet we're still being shown up NXT every week. When he's holding the good guys accountable, he comes across as very smart. When he goes to base level jokes like a human dressed in a dog outfit and the puppy dog noises, he come across as uh, he come he comes across as very corny. And so I wish they would let him go a little bit more and talk intelligently as yes. a king yes. and not, not debase himself to these kinds of jokes because yeah, a dog collar match, whoop de freaking do like it just <laughs> does. It's not compelling. You know, and the thing is I was watching rude and Ziggler with him and I really like this trio. Like I really <laughs> genuinely think these three guys look good together and I want to see it go further, man. If you're going to be the king, every king should have a court. And like, I could see Dolph Ziggler as maybe like an archer type thing maybe uh we could see um like bobby root is like a knight you know sure. you know create an actual court for his i think it, lean in to have fun with it if you're gonna do it go all the way 
Well, these these guys actually kind of serve different purposes, right? Like, I'm, I'm not going to say Bobby Roode would be the muscle, but he is kind of like the showpiece of the trio, right? He's he's looks good and he's buff and he can po- strike a pose out there, right? Uh. Dolph Ziggler is the energetic, sassy one that's just like out there screaming and acting crazy and like going after people. And then, yeah, you have Baron Corbin kind of in the lead, the smart, intelligent, like th- there's a way to make that trio something really unique. I agree. I agree. Um, well, uh, also on SmackDown, Bray Wyatt debuted the new blue WWE championship. Uh, he is going to defend that, that new championship against uh, Daniel Bryan officially here at Survivor Series. You know, it's fine. I don't care. SmackDown title should be blue. Raw, Raw's is red. SmackDown's blue. Why does anybody not be? Well, well, Raw's is black now, I guess. Is Raw's black now? Oh yeah, that's right. The universal title got turned blue. Whatever fine that doesn't matter people complain about these things i do wish they have just done like the whole let's make the slash underneath red or blue i think that'd have been interesting there was a moment in time too guys remember that when the uh, my favorite the attitude era championship the rounded world eagle belt um it it was a blue strap for a hot minute too i think in 97 or 98 so. uh i have uh the blue strapped winged eagle children's title belt from i think it's 90 98 i think yes. i have to check the back of it but it's over my shoulder here right now I'll yeah. take I'll take a photo with it on Twitter after this, and I'll tag you. Yeah. <laughs> very proud of it. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, uh, yeah, and you know, uh, Daniel Bryan, the Fiend. Look, Daniel Bryan is working very hard here. I like the kind of the back and forth about will he say the yes, will he not say yes. It's a little thing here, but the moment Daniel, if Daniel Bryan is able to take that title or get very close to it and and finally do that yes chant as he goes into that big, you know, the going for look, the big knee at the end of this bout. It's going to get a reaction, and um, I, 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 look, again, I said it before. Daniel Bryan's the right guy to get The Fiend back on track here. I think that they're going to have a great match at Survivor Series, and I've, I've largely enjoyed the build for these two. Yeah, I'm not not as huge a fan of the build. I think there's been some weird things about what is the logic here for Daniel Bryan. Like, it's just, it's a little bit vague, and I don't think having The Miz out there Friday night helped clarify it because he sure. almost felt like Mr. Uh, narrator here. I want to tell you everything that's happened and what the motivation is, right? <laughs> so a little too expository for my taste, but um, if you're going to have somebody out there that's meaningful, putting Bryan in that spot, the fans are behind him. Yeah. Just drop the red light. No red light on Sunday. Can we do that? No, that that's that's, that's definitely sane. I have a feeling that's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, and lastly here, uh, coming out of SmackDown, Nikki Cross, uh, she joins Lacey Evans, Carmella, Sasha Banks, and Dana Brooke as part of Team SmackDown. Uh, This is, look, I'm so confused with SmackDown and War Games all happening at the same time, Michael. It's Uh so many people. There's so many teams. I'm sure I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll enjoy it, but I, 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 it's all a literal blur to me right now. What is going on with all these teams? Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of back whenever they had the um, you go back in the day and the the what was it the invasion angle right? Yeah, and so where they had so many like, everybody was just against everybody, and at some point your head's just spinning. I do wish they had divided up these multi-man or multi-women matches for different shows or different weekends. I understand why they didn't. So yeah, it's just going to be a fun weekend of like 50 people in the ring at various points. So yeah, should be good. Uh, and then over on Raw, it was announced that Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio at Survivor Series. That's now going to be a no-holds-barred match. And uh, also Charlotte Flair, she's going to lead Team Raw's women's team, uh, which will include Natalia, Sarah Logan, uh, and the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka, and Kari Sane. So... There you go. Uh, Brock and Ray, it, it should, I, look, that match will be better, I think, as a no-holds-barred match. It's going to be crazy to watch Brock throw Ray Mysterio around and, and absolutely just batter him, you know? It also gives Ray Mysterio a fighting chance, I think, and you've seen him do this in recent weeks, take down Brock Lesnar with weapons. So I'm glad that they're saying, hey, they're, they're giving the fans reason to believe in Ray, and the problem with Brock Lesnar matches is too often they don't give us a reason to believe the guy can actually win. So I dig this. I'm glad also... 
we got more of that. They kind of died that down in recent weeks. So that's the that's the match that I'm I'm really excited about seeing how they handle and what they do there. Uh, and uh, last bit of WWE news here at WrestleVotes reporting that there's been a recent push from members of WWE creative to have Triple H wrestle as a member of the men's team NXT for the Survivor Series traditional elimination tra uh, triple threat match. Uh, there's mm. no word yet on if they will go with Triple H on the team, but the word is that the idea has been met with mixed reactions, including from Triple H. The game reportedly does not want to be a big part, uh, does not want to be a part of the big 15-man match from the All-State Arena near Chicago. Um, I, I get both arguments. I, I really do, but I would not put Triple H in this match. I just think it's this should be a, a showcase of NXT talent, period. It almost makes NXT feel like they're minor league if that happens. I and they've agree. done such a good job of elevating the talent there. Oh, we've got to have Triple H on there because they can't stand on their own. Right. Um, and I do like Triple H as kind of being the figurehead of NXT. I think there's some sense in that. I almost wish I know we've kind of gotten away from having managers or general managers or commissioners or whatever on Raw and SmackDown. But I almost wish they had figureheads as well, because to our point about all the noise happening right now and all the kind of people running in and whatever, I think it would give us centralized people to say this person represents the blue brand instead of like Fox and USA executives or whoever. So, you know, it could be Stephanie, it could be Shane, whatever. That would be interesting. Kind of like what they did back in the invasion where they had Paul Heyman or they had the McMahons, but um, yeah, putting triple H in the team, a step too far, I believe. Uh, and uh, lastly here, we got some MLW news bits. Uh, MLW announced that their uh, World Heavyweight Champion, Jacob Fatu, has re-signed a new long-term multi-year contract with the company. Uh, he debuted back in February. Uh, earlier this month, uh, he retained his title against L.A. Park uh, at MLW's first ever pay-per-view Saturday night. Uh, fight night, he did win the title. I believe it was back in February of this year. Um, and uh, No, not back in February. It was back during the, the summer of this year. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a, he's a player. I was, I was happy to see MLW, uh, was able to lock him down. Uh, they're doing some really good work right now. Uh, MLW yeah. is, um, making a buzz, making a buzz. Yeah. And, uh, Court Bauer, the, the, the executive, uh, executive <laughs> president founder, I always screwed up. He's in charge. <laughs> like every time, every time I interview him, I'm like, what do I, what do I call you? <laughs> like, whatever. He does so much though. He know? does. He does everything. So anyway, Court Took to Twitter, uh, El Presidente is what I'll call him today. Uh, he announced that Tom Lawler, Filthy Tom Lawler, is wrapping up with MLW. Uh, he wrote, I want to thank Filthy Tom for his years with MLW. Tom was a day zero guy that helped relaunch this league in October 2017. I wish him continued success with the next chapter of his career. First class dude who, despite being filthy, is somehow all class at the same time. Uh, that is the nicest. <laughs> that is the nicest thing I have seen a wrestling promoter say to a depart departing talent ever. I, you yeah. never see stuff like that. So, uh, Lawler, uh, I reached out to, to Court. Um, I asked him when uh, if Tom was going to be part of uh, the Opera Cup next month. He confirmed to me uh, that that is going to be Tom's last show. So that if you uh, want to see one, Tom Lawler and MLW one last time. Uh, the Opera Cup is the the, uh, the show to check out. It's December 5th. Uh, Lawler has also tweeted out that he's not going to be taking any more bookings past 2019. So the question is, what's Filthy Tom doing right now? Where's he going? I mean, he's 36 years old. He's young. He's got that MMA background. Um, I, I think I mean, Impact, AEW, or WWE. WWE could use him in some interesting ways. But I feel like he's one step short of that right now so i don't know my money might be on impact wrestling i i think you know look wwe they got brock they got kane velasquez i know that paul Heyman is a real big advocate for that mma style 
Uh, and, you know, look, there's a lot he could do uh, with Matt Riddle down at NXT as well. That's true. I- I'm smelling NXT. I-, I think that's where this guy's headed. He would be a great addition to that roster. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, last but not least from the world of MLW, Alicia Atoot. She has joined MLW as a host of Backstage Interview. Just wanted to send congrats out to, uh, to Alicia. Great hire by MLW. She's, of course, a, a friend of the show. And uh, she'll be wonderful there in this role. Absolutely. She did did great work for AEW. Um, she is, and I always love, too, seeing more women representation. Agreed. A ton of women pro wrestling fans who treat the business and come in and want to be a part of it. So it's awesome to see her uh, growing in that role. My guest at this time is the president of All Elite Wrestling. It is Tony Khan. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. It's my pleasure, Nick. Uh, it's really my pleasure to come talk to you because I, I've always really appreciated uh, how much you, you know you've given us a chance. Um, when we started AEW, you know, uh, you gave us a chance from the beginning. You came to the shows and came to the scrums and yeah. gave us a chance uh, to tell people about what we're doing, and I've always really appreciated that. So I wanted to come back and talk to you it's symbiotic here tony right like i i am in the business of covering the biggest coolest things in wrestling i like to try to be on the cutting edge you are in the business of creating the biggest coolest things in pro wrestling so it worked out well here man and i will say from my perspective uh it's been a really fun ride with you guys traditionally the wrestling press uh has been shut out by major promotions a little bit more that's changing here that has changed here in the last year or so I think you guys are a big part of that. And I've been to every AEW public event except for the Vegas ticket release. We sent somebody else who was local. But I've been to literally everything else, Tony. I've seen every single show you've done live. That's crazy to me. I'll write a book someday about it. That's why I would uh, do that again. That's why when, uh, you know, you'd reach out and ask if I would do this, I absolutely said I would be happy to because cool. I really appreciated how much, you know, you supported us and given us a chance. Appreciate it. You know, I think you're you're an honest guy. And if you... If you, if you thought the shows weren't good, I think you would have said so. But I think they've been very good. You, you've been coming and keep coming back and checking them out. Well, I appreciate it. I like, I like uh, testing your temerity, Tony. You put yourself so out there, I like to try to throw some hard questions at you from time to time. But you're great. And I really appreciate Thank it. I, I do appreciate it. Um, well, let's get to it here, man. Dude, And it's just been 24 hours. Not even 24 hours. It's been like five hours. And I had to add more AEW questions to my list here for you. We'll start off with the big one this morning. Bash at the beach, man. You guys are bringing it back. AEW is with the Jericho Cruise. How did this come about? How were you guys able to get the Bash at the Beach moniker for this event? Cody went on like a trademark binge one night, and he was texting me the next day, and he was like, Conrad and I were up all night trademarking stuff. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay. And uh, one of the things that came out of this was Bash at the Beach, lo, lo and behold. And uh, they Cody got the trademark for Bash at the Beach. And... Uh, so when he said that, we, we all thought, like, well, is there a way we could all use this at some point? And he, was, he obviously would be happy for us to use it and promote a show and, and uh, m- you know, make uh, Bash the Beach a big event for us and uh, something that you'd associate with AEW specifically. And uh, this unique idea we had was to go uh, down to Miami in January uh, with, you know, and you're in Chicago. And yeah. as we both know, as guys that have lived in Chicago or, or around Chicago, it can be uh, – very uh, cold this time of year and then through the winter and thought it would be like a really fun thing to do if we made a bash at the beach theme in January. And so uh, we'll be doing uh, a kind of a two part bash at the beach uh, in January on dynamite. And uh, on the 15th, you'll see us in Miami and then it's going to carry over and uh, onto the 22nd. And, and that special is also going to include the matches 
from uh, Chris Jericho's cruise that week. Wow, that's insane, man. So wait, so WWE, everybody's saying they thought that they would own this copyright or trademark here because they got all the WCW stuff. Was it just dormant and, and Cody just happened to just... Yeah, yeah, it up? hadn't been used. I think it had lapsed, is my understanding. Wow, that's wild. That's very serendipitous for you all. That's cool. Yeah, I think there had been some other uh, precedent for that because I think, like, you know, MLW had used, like, war games. Sure. And I think it had gotten bought back. I believe some other, you know, old... Uh, trademarks from the time it had lapsed and and been used and in this case uh one of the great ones you know bash the beach and uh it's again want to make it something that's associated with us and is uh, this is our uh bash the beach aw bash the beach and uh what we do in miami and on the chris jericho cruise ship i think it's going to be really really fun stuff and uh you got some really cool stuff planned. Well, that that comes. it's cool, too, that you guys have Bash the Beach now because, you know, I was at Fighter Fest, obviously, as I've said, I've been to everything. And, you know, that was in Daytona Beach where the NWO was formed the most, probably the most iconic Bash at the Beach moment of all time. I mean, I don't know. I just I think it's very cool to know that you guys already were there. You're, you're stringing it along here with the Bash at the Beach stuff, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, and and fight. I'm well. I'm glad, and I appreciated you coming to Fighter Fest. Thank you again for for coming. And uh, yeah, no problem. I thought Fighter Fest was was awesome, and uh, and uh, you know certainly Daytona is another great market for us. And uh, you know I'm happy to get down there again soon. And uh, you know you you've been so great about coming to all the shows, Nick. Like well, I said, I appreciate it. That's why I wanted to sit down. And, it was you know, and it's cool. I mean, for you know, I I thought it was cool being there because i'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking back to when i was a kid and i'm like wow right there that's where hulk hogan turned that's where the nwa nwo formed how how was the feel of that show for you what was it like being in that venue? Uh, you know what's crazy is i'm not gonna lie to you like it was, certainly was uh looming large for me backstage um because i would ask keith like you know my office was this like eric's office like was that you know where the bucks and kenny are changing was that was that like we're all in there like trying to figure out like whose office was whose does that make sense yeah totally man <laughs> were you sitting in eric's office or no i never i don't never got a clear answer who, who had whose office i think he remembered who was where but who's using well that's uh that's hilarious uh well the other thing uh this happened like an hour ago tony i'm sure you know about it because you have social media and you use it uh cm punk tagged you and Vince in the same tweet, uh, obviously, like, I think the culmination of CM Punk AEW WWE chatter came to a head this past week. But what do you think of him kind of cherry on the top of this whole situation, tagging you and Vince? You know what's funny is I never once brought him up. I've never once brought his name up yeah. to, to, to bring it into the conversation. But as you know, because you're always at the scrums, and, you know, you've seen interviews people have done with me. Whenever I get asked the question, you know, I try to be good about answering questions people especially when people travel to go to the scrums and stuff and uh i've always made it really clear that like you know i've had conversations with him and uh but you know never tried to lead anybody on to think that he would be doing anything with us or whatever and uh i don't you know i i haven't talked to him in a long time uh but uh i wish him the best i'm not sure why he tagged me but if he's talking about wrestling i think it would be hard to talk about all the great things happening in wrestling without uh, talking about what we're doing at AEW. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always got the sense he felt like uh, we would like bring him up, and it's like, well, you know, if you actually like watch the, inter- I'm not that I he's going to take the time to watch him because he's getting tagged in that stuff too, not by me, but by all the people asking the questions. By me, you know? he's getting tagged and, and by me. So, and to be well, fair, not you, Nick, which no. is why I like you. I'll always go, I see yours. <laughs> but like, I walk into a scrum, 
And I just get done with this great show, and the first thing somebody would ask me is about him. And <laughs> it's that like, was me, Tony. Well, that was me. After All Out, I asked it to you. It wasn't the first question I asked, but was I, you? Oh, now, now, all right. Well, now I really regret. <laughs> Thank you. Now I really regret. No, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to not bull. I'm not going to bullshit <laughs> you, Tony. I'm going to jump on the grenade here. But I'll say the reason I asked you first of all is it does get. Uh, we have a lot of attention. A lot of people ask. They want to know that about you, but also because Dave Meltzer was standing over my shoulder and I'll never forget looking at you and going, Dave, and I pointed at him, said that you were, uh, that punk was on the top of your list and he got a little flustered and then you gave me your, oh, okay, okay. that, well, that was a valid, well, that, okay. Now that is not the same time I'm talking about where it was like literally the first question. Okay. Because if you remember one of those, I walked in, it was like the first thing somebody asked me and like, Again, I would really, and here we are. I'd much rather talk about dynamite than talk about this. Okay, gotcha. but uh, you know, uh, but, but I, what I will say about that is, like, you was not the first person I talked to, and I corrected that when I, you know, when Dave sure. was standing there, he's one of the first people on a list of people I wanted to talk to. But yeah, um, you know, the, the thing, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> this is a, this is how we got here with that, right? Like, I get asked about it a lot. Sure, uh, I try to answer it, but it's not something I brought up. And I think you got the impression, but you know, sure, we wanted to talk about him and clearly as you can tell i really don't all right um, <laughs> i did my part i brought it up all right uh i you've, wanted you've, done, you've definitely done your part for the, <laughs> there, there were the two Chicago wrestling th- video. there were two two stories of past five hours bash the beach the punk tweet i got those out of the way i get back to the other questions i wrote here for you today um okay so when did you go to your first indie show tony what was that experience like for you uh what do you, what constitutes an indie is ecw an indie or was ECW was, was in 1996 with ECW constituted an indie? Um, I mean, it'd be a high end. It'd be like House of Glory. Or not House of Glory, House of Hardcore. Yeah, I'd be a big indie. So sure, we'll count ECW. Okay, yeah. Then that was it. Uh, the first indie show I went to was the Spot Show the night before the Doctor was in. Uh, ECW was in the Lulu Temple. Uh, and then I believe that would have been August 2nd of 1996. And the main event was Chris Jericho versus Sabu. And that was Chris's second to last match in ECW. Man. And then, so the second indie show I would have attended would have been uh, the ECW Arena show, uh, The Doctor's In, which was Chris's last show in ECW versus Two Cold Scorpio. And the main event was the Sabu versus Rob Van Dam's stretcher match. Man, so you're, uh, you're an old school Jericho fan then. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, if you, if you, I did a podcast with Chris right around the time we started. It was right, right around the uh, Vegas, it was actually the night of the Vegas ticket on sale party, which is the only event you have not been to. Uh, so like, to be fair, like, I don't know. There are people like in the company that don't have your attendance record. Uh, so like, uh, it's very impressive. But anyway, that night, <laughs> Thank you. uh, we, we got together and did a podcast and we talked about it a lot. I, mean, I really am an old school fan of Chris and, yeah. uh, dating back before ECW, uh, the match he had on July 7th of 1995 with Ultimo Dragon in, in war, wrestle and war, romance, uh, that Ultimo Dragon match was like one of my favorites. And then it turned out for Chris, it changed his life too. It opened so many doors for him. He said that tape got him his jobs in ECW and WCW. Man. Okay. Now my, my follow-up question to this would be now, obviously you love pro wrestling, but I read here, you got your bachelor of science in finance, which is not really like a theatrical or entertainment degree per se. So, like, even though you love... Yeah, but if you're doing the business case for starting a wrestling company, it's a really good thing. <laughs> no, no, no I, I get that. Look, dude, you the dollars make sense. That's because you have your finance degree. But as, the, like, the hippie, because, like, I like to think I'm good with money, but, you know, whatever. 
Um, you know, the hippie in me, the, the entertainer in me is wondering, you know, I want to pick your brain a little bit about, did you have any theatrical or entertainment background uh, before getting into the launch of putting together your own wrestling promotion? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a partner. Um, uh, you know, I'm one of, I'm a partner in activist artist management in Los Angeles, which we, uh, manage, uh, you know, musicians and, uh, entertainers and entertainment companies, um, my partner Bernie Cahill uh, managed and you know, manages the Grateful Dead, uh, the Dead and Company, Dwight Yoakam, the Lumineers, Ken Watanabe, David Allen Greer, and a lot of great musicians and actors. Yeah. And um, so we're, we're partners in that company. I'm not hands-on representing the talent, um, but I am partner in a major entertainment company in LA. Okay. And uh, so before. Uh, Launching AEW, that's I mean that is that's one of the reasons AEW got launched. You know, activists became uh, my partners in this, and uh, Bernie is the one who introduced me to Kevin Riley in the first place. Uh, Kevin Riley is the president of TNT, TBS, and Warner Media, gotcha. and one of the most important people in in the world of media right now. And years ago, I first met Kevin with Bernie, and I can't make this up. It was uh, Halloween 2016, and I was dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage. And, uh, that's where I first met Kevin. And then I, the second time I hung out with Kevin was Halloween 2017. And I wore the costume again. <laughs> and he was like, you're the same costume twice in a row. And I was like, yeah, you know, I only get to do it once a year. So, uh, but, uh, and, um, then, uh, next time I really, uh, was, was in a position to really spend a lot of time with Kevin. We were at a party together with Bernie in April of 2018. And, uh, again, you know, this, it's cool. A lot of things came together at the same time. This was before all in, uh, it, you know, it had been announced to anybody. I had no idea the guys were going to do that. I didn't know any of those guys real well. Uh, and, uh, things, you know, moved very quickly for me. And, uh, Man. I really, really, uh, was very, very, uh, excited at this party. I just got Kevin kind of on the hook and, you know, next thing I know, we're having this very long conversation about what it would take and uh, that it is possible to start a wrestling league that would be, you know, nationally recognized, internationally recognized, and uh, could quickly grow a huge base of fans. Yeah. And Kevin seemed really interested in this, but, you know, uh, a little suspicious. <laughs> like, you know, it just sounds too good to be true. Yeah. And so... For the next year or so, he really put me through the ringer. And hmm. certainly I didn't lean on the friendship. And uh, I had to go from all the way to the bottom back to the top. And he had me go through with all of his people and work with all the different departments and finance and programming and legal. And we've been working through for, you know, so long to get to this point, you know, yeah. and over a year before it got there. Man, that's crazy. And so with the cre talk to me a little bit about the creative process. I know that you say that it's kind of art by committee here. You know, is there a war room when you guys get there for Dynamite that you go to each day? You say, I've got no, this. We have a, no, we have a great production meeting. It's the best production meeting I've heard in wrestling okay. uh, on Tuesday nights. And, uh, you know, uh, at the front, you have myself and the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny Omega. And, uh, you know, we're the kind of the lead uh, of the creative. Myself is the president and them is the executive vice president. And yeah. At the end of the day, I have the final say on everything, um, and I'm accountable for everything that we do, uh, both on screen and off. And 
that's how it goes. So how frustrating is it for you being in that role? And I'm sure you're, you, I mean, of course you got Kenny in the box and, and uh, Cody in your ear giving you frustrating. ideas. I'm in the most, it's the most fun job I've ever had. Well, but I'm just saying like, of course <laughs> so you're going to have, you're going to have other talents that come to you wanting to get TV time coming to you with ideas and pitches and you can't obviously fit everything into every show. Dude, it's like, I mean, it's like, so I, I've, so I've been in sports my whole life. You know, I've, before uh, we own an NFL team, I coached uh, high school basketball. And whether it's high school basketball or the National Football League or, you know, English football with Fulham. Yeah. Um, you know, I've dealt with uh, rosters and you manage a roster and you have to deal with lots of things. You know, there's there's more problems than just uh, playing time or salaries, like just real life stuff. You know, people have family issues or medical problems. And uh, so I'm uniquely positioned. Uh, to run this league how how different is it working with uh, professional wrestlers as opposed to other athletes and other sports that you work in it is well first of all i am a wrestling person i speak the language of a wrestling person and uh that makes it very easy for me and i think for everyone else here because at, at my heart i love wrestling more than anything else yeah um people ask me if i get nervous for these and i think i told you know you were in scrum when i think i've answered this is that i get a lot more nervous before a Jaguars game or a Fulham game, sure. frankly. Uh, do I, but I get more excited and I have more fun at AEW than I do at anything else. Huh. Um, there have been nervous moments, absolutely, uh, as we've gone on. But, you know, pregame jitters and stuff like that, I think it's really just more uh, fun. And the shows are fun. We have fun doing them, and it, it makes them fun to watch. And uh, we don't just have fun putting them on. We have fun putting them together. And uh, I love that process. When you ask about it, 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 that's really special to me, too. I just enjoy everything about being in the wrestling business. Well, talking about some, something that's fun to put together, uh, I want to chat real quickly about the unsanctioned Lights Out match between Moxley and Omega. Uh, I loved it. I, you know, I, I, here's the thing, Tony. I loved the match. And I'm, you know, I grew up a big fan of Mick Foley reading about the Kawasaki Dream, all that other type stuff. This, this, this genre does not b- bother me, right? I watched it. I thought it was a very good match. I thought it was very fun. It was very different. Um, but And, you know, we did the scrum, and it got brought up, and you talked about it a bit. But, man, the 48, 72 hours after that, this thing became, like, the centerpiece of, like, a much bigger discussion about brutality and pro wrestling and what is acceptable. Were you surprised that this particular match caused that level of interest and that kind of discussion? No, I expected it. I expected it. And that's why we put this match on pay-per-view. Never do anything like this on TV. And, and the the people at TNT, our friends at TNT, the folks at TNT are very familiar with this. They understand what we're trying to do here, what we are doing here, uh, which is, you know, putting hardcore matches uh, sometimes in the pay-per-view main events. Not every pay-per-view needs to have it. But, if the, you know, if there's going to be uh, this kind of a big issue and uh, there's going to be two wrestlers that want to settle it, uh, we're not going to sanction it. We're going to turn the lights off and uh, turn a blind eye to the whole thing and and uh, not be liable, or, you know, for what occurs in the ring is kind of the, the way those matches are laid out and the story of that. I think it's a very logical thing. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. Uh, people were kind of shocked or amazed by the match because it was supposed to be a shocking and amazing match. And I'm glad you loved it. I think most people did love it. Yeah. Uh, it's gotten a huge amount of interest and uh, it's done exactly what we wanted it to do, which is, you know, really like grow interest in us and start a conversation. And, uh, you know, to me, uh, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And uh, I felt great about everything we were doing before we did it. And I felt great about it all 
after it came off. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of pundits, I guess, when you know, looking at the viewership, you know, noted that this past week on Wednesday night, you guys saw a pretty significant little uh, raise in viewership for the show. Some people said the discussion around this probably helped to that. But for you, I mean, are you running to check the viewership every Thursday? Are you refreshing show buzz daily? I mean, how or do you care? Do you not care? No, I look forward to getting the numbers in my inbox on Thursday. It's a very fun part of it. I think it's a throwback. And it's something I predicted was going to be a huge part of this. And it wouldn't have been possible without starting AEW. Uh, is this interest in the wrestling and not just one company in wrestling and, and you know, being forced to follow only one company and, and uh, being at the, at the mercy of that. Um, really, what we've done is create a market. And uh, that was something I explained to Kevin and those guys from the beginning. And I think there were some wrestling fans in the room that understood, but to the people that hadn't been there during the Monday Night Wars and hadn't been around when WWF and WCW and ECW and all the companies were thriving. And it was a great time to be a wrestling fan. And it was a great time to be a wrestler. And, you know, it was a great time to be in the wrestling business. Yeah. And I think we brought, we brought that back. And uh, that's one of the great things that's happened this year since we've launched. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy about it. And I think uh, for us, you know, the story of uh, the competition that, you know, everybody wants to see it as a competition. I, I, for, for me, I don't run out to check the ratings. I just want to do the best show we can do week to week. And if, you know, we're happy with it and we think we're putting on a good show and we really do think we're putting on a good show. And if TNT is happy with it and they think we're putting on a good show and they, they do and, and the numbers are something they're happy with and they're thrilled with numbers, then I'm very happy despite what anybody else is doing. But one thing I did predict is that the competition uh, would captivate people and would become the biggest story in wrestling. And it definitely has. All right. Last question, Tony. I know I'm right at my time here. Um, You're good, bro. You're good. Thank you, brother. All right. Last question. The captivating man this past Wednesday night, MJF Jericho lightsaber duel on the microphones. It was really something special. I thought to watch, uh, were you expecting it to go that well, I guess? And what do you think? What do you think we can expect here from off the chain, fully heel MJF? I, uh, I was expecting it to go that well. Yeah. I think when you ever, you get, you know, Chris Jericho and MJF, two of the best talkers in wrestling in 2019 and two of the best talkers in wrestling in a long time. And this is one of the all time greats. And Max, I think is clearly the best guy to come along in, you know, many years, if not a decade or more. And uh, to put them in a situation where they were out there together, you know, they did such an amazing job with it. I think what those guys and Cody have done, I mean, uh, certainly it was a story that captivated people, again, using that word, uh, for six weeks. We went to the pay-per-view, it shocked people. And then, you know, as you said, we did a really good number this past Wednesday, and I think we'll do another good number because people really want to see where this is going. People are devastated that MJF would do that to Cody and, uh, you know, at the same time, I think a lot of people kind of saw it coming, frankly, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I kind of thought I Cody. I, I kind of thought Cody. Too. I kind of thought Cody was going to turn on MJF. I kind of thought he was going to be the one to go low. So I was a little surprised. One of the that. great moments, but wasn't it a great moment? And those guys did such a great job laying out a great moment. Uh, you know, uh, putting that meat on the bone that we put together. Yeah. And uh, they, well, that was a great moment at the end because it could have gone either way, and that's what made it so special. 
Yeah, man. Uh, all right, I'll wrap it there, Tony. I hope to chat with you again. Of course, I'll I'll see you in the next scrum. You know, uh, so yeah. I'll be there. You know, it's it's interesting too. I, d- I meant to bring this up earlier, but uh, I'm I'm very good friends with, and uh, I've read his book with Bill After, and I really like the classic way that pro wrestling got to be covered. And uh, you know, it was a mission for me to try to get to do that with this because I didn't really see anybody else doing it. So I wanted to just thank you again for the transparency you guys have allowed me. Uh, to get to cover the business, how I feel like it should be covered. Because, you know, I spent a lot of time on the Indies here in Chicago and stuff, and this ain't my first rodeo. So to be able to get to bring some perspective to it and bring to the fans, I think, you know, what you're looking for as well, which is a, a fun conversation, a fun product. It's it's really meant a lot, Tony. I do appreciate it. Well, you're a young guy, and I'm a young guy, and we'll be doing this a very long time. But, yes. you know, in their lifetimes, it meant a lot to me to be able to do these and to see Bill After and George Napolitano and oh. talk to those guys. Dude, George. Oh. I love George. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's great. I mean, Bill and George and Stu, uh, just like you said, we grew up uh, on their coverage of wrestling. And then uh, when I, you know, turned 12, then I started to follow Dave Meltzer more and Wade Teller and, mm-hmm. and read, read those sheets and follow news online a little bit differently than, than I had growing up in the magazines. And uh, it's a great throwback, and it's great to be able to bring all those people uh, together in one place, except for Wade Teller, because he never <laughs> shows up for me. Uh but, but uh, in all seriousness, I really uh, enjoyed uh, talking to you, man. And, uh, cool. you know, I look forward to seeing you at the Scrum and uh, anytime we're in Chicago. My guest at this time can be seen every Tuesday night at 1110 Central on FS1 as part of WWE's Backstage hosting the Satin Sheet. It's Ryan Satin. Ryan, welcome back to the Winkley. What up, WZ Daily Reunion? How's it going? I know, right? Going old school today, <laughs> Ryan. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we we both have like our own pro wrestling journalism bubbles. It's always a it's always a unique treat when we get to come back together like this. I always I always enjoy that. Oh yeah, no, me too. I mean, for those of you who maybe didn't hear us back in the day when I first started Wrestling Sheet, Nick is a big part of the reason why I started the site. I uh, you know was trying to figure out what I was gonna do. And Nick reached out to me out of the blue. We did not know each other and just said that, hey, man, like we miss your content. And that was one of the things that was that led me to uh, starting a website. So I'm always thankful of Nick for that. And I always got time for you, dude. I love these conversations as well. Thank you very much, Ryan. And Ryan has also been very supportive of me. We share a lot of positive energy back and forth, which is kind of I don't know how it was back in like the 80s, 70s and 80s when they had like the aftermags and stuff, what that community was like. <laughs> but our the community yeah. we have right now is pretty civil, I would say, in the pro wrestling. Largely, largely pretty civil in the pro wrestling journalism community. Yeah, it's, it's getting a lot better. I mean, I uh, I think that, you know, when you... Uh, from, I, I'm not great at, at my history when it comes to the sheets, but uh, I, I believe when uh, at StarCast, when Wade Keller and Dave Meltzer finally did like a sit-down thing, it was because like sure. there was kind of like... Uh, they, they didn't do stuff together in the past. Like yep. they, they seemed to kind of be on islands unto, the, unto their own. And so, uh, no, I like that we can do stuff like this. I, I am... Uh, I like seeing the the wrestling media world be more friendly. I like things being uh, less contentious. So I'm 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 always happy we get to do these kinds of things too. Great. Well, let, you know that's a good pivot here, right? Things that are less contentious. What a wild world we live in now, Ryan. Where somebody of your credibility is doing WWE backstage, right? Something that a few years ago I think this whole concept would have been off the table in a lot of people's opinions. So let's start at the beginning here. How did how did your hiring for WWE backstage come about? 
Uh, well, look, it, I, you know, I've always been a TV guy. My dad has his own production company. You know, I grew up working in television. You know, I was on TMZ for seven years and, and which was a Fox property for, for the most part. And I, you know, I, TV is something I love. I, I'm a huge, huge TV guy. And when I left TMZ and I started pro wrestling sheet, I, you know, not, you know, my, my, Day one goal was to like get the site off the ground, sure. but like my future goal was to get a studio show about wrestling on TV. I I always thought it was an untapped market. I felt like, um, I I just felt like there's such a huge audience for it, and and no sports network was really doing a a, a sports studio style show about professional wrestling. And I and honestly, I was it always confused me, you know. Like I was like, man, like people would love this kind of a thing. And yeah. so, um, when the Fox deal started to come around, um, I caught wind of the fact that there was going to be a studio show possibly on Fox Sports One. And you know, I know the history. You know, I, I might not be a sports guy, but you know, I, I know who Jake Glazer is. You know, I know who Ariel Hawani is. I know who these people are because of the fact that they were, you know, quote unquote insider on a Fox sports show. So I reached out to them, you know, I, I, you know, hmm. Jacob Ullman, who is one of the top people who, uh, at Fox sports, when I was, uh, still, uh, had a lot of confidence after launching the site, I met with him, uh, about a, I would say like a year after launching pro wrestling sheet, trying to bring it to Fox sports. And really, you know, he was you very respectful of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wow. met with him Ballsy. and I, tried, yeah, yeah, I, I, yes, it was. And I, I, you know, I just was like, hey, for similar reasons of what I just told you, like, yeah. I always felt like, you know, a, 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 a Fox Sports or something like that could use something like, you know, could use more wrestling coverage. And sure. I felt like, in my opinion, I felt like ESPN was um, severely. Um, underutilizing the relationship they had with WWE at the time, and 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 so I went to Fox Sports like, hey, you know, like we should do something together, and it was like a, hey, you know, like I respect everything you're doing, just keep doing your thing, and I'm gonna keep my eye on you, and I was like, great. So yeah, when I heard about the this possible show, I reached out to them. I reached out to him, and I was like, hey, man, like I don't know if this is a thing you guys are actually doing. Heard about it, maybe. You know, if you guys are going to be talking to anyone for an insider type role, hit me up. You know, like I, I guarantee you, huh. like I'm the best person for the job. And, you know, I've been doing this thing I've for four years now. You know, I've had seven years of TV experience. You know, I, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do was a studio show for wrestling. Like I, this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, and, and, you know, you know, my goal from day one has always been to make some sort of a change. You know, growing up, I always hated looking at wrestling coverage and seeing stories that didn't come to fruition or or stuff, uh, you know, uh, uh, narratives based off of conjecture and 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 all these, these types of things. And it always bothered me. And so um, my goal from day one has always been to try and make a change, to try and have a reliable website that people can go to where they feel that this is news they can trust. And so... Um, you know, if I could do something to make that even stronger, if I could do something to make a relationship between a, you know, major wrestling promotion and 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 a wrestling website stronger and friendlier, like I, that's what I've always wanted. I want to give wrestling fans a, a, a reliable news. That's okay. the only thing I've ever wanted. And so, 
Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, how can his news be trusted now? He's working for WWE. And it's like, first of all, I'm not. I'm working for Fox Sports. <laughs> and and second of all, it's like, wouldn't you want an insider who is actually inside and <laughs> who you can actually just who's talking to people who are there, who well, is not talking to people with agendas, but talking to multiple people who are there? I just to me. It seemed like a win all around. So yeah, I, I reached out to them, and then I had multiple screen tests, and then finally got the job. All right, I have two quite, I have two follow up questions to that. All right, now yeah. I know that you and I, uh, off the record, have discussed you know being friendly with promotions and the willingness to cover more sensitive stories because you have a relationship. Because I'm you know I have plenty of relationships within you know these these many companies, and sometimes you do have to report things where you're going to get a call from PR or something like that. You know. What's going on? You know that kind of stuff. You know, with you on WWE backstage, how how far can you? I mean, could you could you like talk about like ACH uh, and, the, and the situation there on WWE backstage? Or would that be something that would be unallowed? I mean, to be honest with you, like I'm not the producer of the show, you know, so I don't make those kinds of decisions. You know, okay. I am very very low on the totem pole of like what is going to be discussed. And for my for me. I don't think they ha want me there for opinions or things like that. I think what they want me there for is to break news like I'm known to do, you know, yeah. like to break exclusives and stuff like that. So it really just depends. You know, I, I, I wish I had the answer to that. But to be honest with you, like it's a new thing for me, too. Like this is a this is a new thing that I am trying to do. And I, I so I don't have the answer to that. But I can tell you that n <laughs> never once have they said we want you to shy away from negative stories we want you to stop doing what you do that hasn't been said to me once like i haven't had one conversation with anyone in wwe or uh, anyone at fox sports that says anything like that you know to be okay. honest with you you know people say this but what they don't understand is like i've had a great relationship from with wwe since day one you know people think that like i'm dirt sheet quote unquote but like i've always had a great relationship with wwe like i you know they're they, you know, they, they've helped me out with a lot of things. They're very open with me. You know, I, I, I work hard to make sure my, my, my news is verified. So, I mean, like I talk to people in WWE and I do, I already had a good relationship with people in WWE with WWE, which is why they were comfortable with me doing something like this, you okay. know? So when it comes to the negative stories, I believe there will be times when I will have to talk about some negative things. It's just, you know, we're in week two and nothing really super negative has happened for me they, to, they to covered discuss, the, you know they talked about the saudi issues on the first show i guess that's why i asked you know, yeah it does seem like you know there's like a and, willingness and to from, toe the line yeah you know like yeah totally and i you know i i had and i pitched that i to talk about it and they were like no no we already have a segment we're talking about it okay great you know so huh. like it, it, it's it's hard for me to say you know like, i just think that they don't want me I don't. Th I think they want me breaking news as opposed to discussing news that's already out there. You know, so I think that. The, and, and and when it comes to ACH, I think that with a situation like that, there's a lot that's unknown still. And I think that Agreed. you know, I think they'd rather play it safe when there might be other factors at play here. So I think that you know, it's 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 a it's a case by case basis. I think. Okay, and so and just to the, my my second follow up question was so WWE. It sounds like they did have to sign off on you being a part of WWE backstage. It's not like Fox just hired you. And we're like, you know, deal with it, WWE. It doesn't sound that way, at least, right? <laughs> I, I would imagine they didn't do that. No, I mean, I don't, I don't have exact, you know, I don't know specifically who, what, when, and where, but I would imagine that, you know, 
they wouldn't just bring someone in who WWE wasn't going to be happy with, you okay. know? Okay, cool. All right, uh, let's get into the viewership numbers, man. So, like, a lot of people threw mud. <laughs> a lot of people threw mud the first week. 50,000 viewers. Second week, bounced back. 100,000 viewers. Uh, and, of course, next week, we have no idea how many viewers you'll have because you guys surprised everybody with CM Punk at the end of the first show. So we'll get to Punk here in just a second, but... Uh, talk to me about oh, wait, you can't say you can't say you guys because i did not have well, any part of that surprise it's a, it's, a, it's a boat you're still on the boat you're not the captain but you're okay. part of you're part uh, of the ship right you know fair enough fair you, enough what's that show called on uh on whatever entertainment beyond below the deck is that what are you that you're the guy that's serving I'm, right that sounds about right okay <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh, I, you know the rate. You know me, Nick. Like you've known me since day one. Like I, in my first video that I put out there when I first launched my website, I was like, I don't pay attention to ratings. I think that the people who cover ratings on a daily basis, uh, and no offense, don't know. Usually, there's a lot more. They don't have perspective. Most people who cover ratings in the wrestling sphere don't have perspective on TV as a whole. They don't bring up how other shows are doing when when every other show is down at the same time uh you know they don't bring up when you know there's huge lead-ins to certain shows compared to when there's no lead-in you know it's just there's so many factors at play they don't bring up how many ratings the re-airings get or dvrs or when you factor in youtube numbers or uh other shows on the exact same network. I mean, these are all things that people just, they want to look at a number and be like, oh, gotcha. But they're not looking at, at everything else. So it's, I, you know, I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but like it's, I, I, I would love it if there was more perspective uh, when people are covering ratings. Okay, so this, so this number didn't bug you. It's not, did you guys hear from the executives at all? Like any, anything about the viewership? No, no but I, for me personally, it didn't bother me in the slightest bit. No. Okay. Now you got punk here now. Now walk me through what what was this? What was those moments like where you were finding out that CM Punk was going to be debuting at the end of this show? Didn't know before. <laughs> like it was crazy, Nick. Like I we had a production meeting. No no talk of punk. Nothing in the script. Like, like the rundown, not script. The rundown. Um, you know where it lists all the segments. Nothing in the rundown. Like announcement at the end. It was just like goodbye. You know outro with Renee type thing. Um, you know, there was no word from anyone. Like it was crazy. There was, yeah, there was, I, there was no, no inkling of it whatsoever. And then, um, I did my segment and when I was done with my segment, I, you know, this, like, uh, I want to say it was the stage manager, but so, someone came up to me right when I was done and like kind of rushed me out. And they were like, Hey, they need you in the control room, and I was like, okay. And and Nick, sometimes I always think the worst of things, yes. so I thought maybe I said something wrong on air or like, uh, you know, because normally like I finish my segment and it's just, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. Um, yeah, I can hear you. I'm just fine. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said hello. Sorry, no. Yeah. I uh, yeah. So normally I, I'll finish my segment and I'm just like hang around backstage or whatever, you know, until it goes to commercial, and. And so I'm like, I, I get rushed there because I need you in the control room. My first thought was that I did something bad. So I'm like, I go in the control room. I'm like, is everything okay? Did I do something bad? And they were like, no, 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 no. Um, can you just, can you meet us in the green room? And I was like, yeah, but is everything okay? And they're like, yeah, everything's fine. Just meet us in the green room. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. 
And then I'm like, that's weird. And so I go in the green room and then I walk in the green room like alone and there's a few production people in there and they're like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah. Did they say I did something bad on the headset? And they're like, no, no, everything's fine. I'm like, well, they just told me to come in the green room for some reason. I'm just like confused. And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay. And then Mick Foley's in there. So it's just like me and Mick Foley in there and he's eating a sandwich. And, and I'm like posting stuff from my phone because I had broken two stories on the show, so I wanted to get three stories on the show, so I was trying to get them up on the site yeah. on my phone. And right when I get the second one up, I just hear the like beginning of cult of personality hit, and I just like my my jaw dropped, but and I just was like, what? And I see him walk out. I'm watching the TV, and I just was like, oh my god! Like, are you guys kidding me? And I turn around, and Foley's eating a sandwich, and I go, I go. Mick, did you have any idea CM Punk was here? And he's like, no, that's crazy. <laughs> and he just goes back to eat the sandwich. And then, and I'm like, hey, I, I look at the production. I'm like, did you guys know CM Punk was going to be here? And one of them's like a big wrestling fan. I know that. And he's like, I had no idea CM Punk was here. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, that's crazy, you know? And so I, uh, I yeah, and so then everyone did their thing or whatever. But yeah, I it was I had no idea. I it, I was just as surprised as everyone else, and I was okay. there. So okay, all right. Now, uh, did you get the chance to see him after the show would wrap? Did you get to over, you know, shake his hand, welcome him to WWE backstage, all that kind of stuff? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I saw him talking to other people and stuff, though. I saw him talking to Samojo, which was cool, yeah. and just kind of like you know doing his thing with um. Renee Young and taking pictures and stuff like that, but no, we didn't talk at all. Okay, and you get any, did you get any word about what he's going to do? I mean, do you have any idea, you know, what his role will be on the show? I mean, from everything I, from from, from how it sounds to me, is he's going to be an analyst similar to how like Booker T and Renee, or sorry, how uh, Booker T and and Paige and Christian have been uh, in the past, where he's just going to be, you know, giving his takes on the various things going on in the world of professional wrestling. Well, in the world of WWE, excuse me. Wow. Uh, that's wild, man. Uh, I guess I'll ask the question that everyone's asking, and I'm sure that you're going to not know the answer to this or give your opinion, but I mean, what do you think? Is this a bridge? Does this lead to something more with Punk maybe wrestling at WWE? I mean, it's hard to have this in a quick conversation. You know, we talked about it on Wrestling Sheet Radio this week, and and okay. and I it's, it's tough, Nick. It's really tough. You know, I think that if you had to, if I had to answer that question like right now, because I don't know the answer, obviously. We, I didn't even talk to the guy, but um, you know, I think that if you ask ever, I think anybody who might know the answer to that, if you ask them right now, I'm sure they'd say he's just doing this analyst thing, you know, like he doesn't want to come back to wrestling. He wants to be an analyst, and he sees this as a bridge to. Um, something that he could bring value to the network with, you know, to, to Fox sports with, you know, that, you know, he, he, there's a video that, that Fox sports put out yesterday where he's, um, you know, where he's, uh, doing his whole secret arrival to Fox to the lot. And, you know, he's talking about the meetings that he's had with Fox. And he basically says something along the lines of like, you know, when they were talking to him that they were, they were trying to convey to him that like, you know, they've got, a-Rod for baseball, they've got Troy Aikman for football coverage, and they want him in that role of, like, the guy who's been the top guy, who is an opinionated voice that people trust. And Booker you know, T and Chris are sitting there like, what, do our world title runs mean nothing here? Come on now. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, 
CM Punk was like uh, a, a a thing, you know. Like he well, was he for a lot of people, he brought people back into wrestling. Sure, I sure. think that Booker T's obviously a, a legend, unquestionable stature. I just think they have they're different in their in what they in sure. what they've accomplished. I think you know, sure. um, Punk was like a short time, but it was a it was an influential thing. I think for a lot of people. Um, Booker T influenced people as well, but over a longer period of time in different ways. And he's just, you know, done the work to, to, to earn what he's gotten. But I think that with punk, it's just kind of, it was more of a phenomenon almost for, for a certain period of time with wrestling fans. Um, because he he stood for a certain thing. It kind of felt like, um, but yeah, in that video, he said that like, you know, Troy Aikman and a rod and they wanted him in that kind of role. And, um, you know, Fox has a long deal with WWE. It's a five-year deal, you know? So if he can be their top wrestling analyst, I mean, that's... I, I think he maybe wants to do that. I, mean, I don't think that you see... A, you know, people say, like, well, A-Rod's covering baseball, so you know he's going to play baseball again or whatever. Yeah. Same with Troy Aikman. So I, I don't know. You know, I think different. that... It's different. If baseball was know. if baseball was a work, A-Rod would go out there and <laughs> cork the bat, <laughs> lighten the ball, <laughs> make a lot more money out of the field. <laughs> <laughs> fair fair that's that's fair and that's why I, I that that's precisely why i say if you ask someone now because like i'm sure if you ask someone a year ago if they thought punk would do this the answer would be no yeah. someone who knew him so i think that the answer in a year from now could also be very different based on how he feels just watching everything so it's just it's so hard to say you know like it's just so hard to say um, would I like to see CM Punk wrestle again? Yeah, duh. You know, like CM Punk reinvigorated my love for wrestling. You know, like I'm one of those people in that time period. You know, I'd I'd fallen out a little bit, and then I got back into it uh, when WrestleMania was in LA, and then I've I've stayed with it ever since. Obviously, because you know I I got hooked again. But CM sure. Punk was part of that. Like when he came back and did like. When he did the ECW thing, I was like, this guy is so awesome. I love this 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 wrestler. Like, this guy is what's up. This is what I've needed. Same for Samoa Joe in, in, in Impact at that time. You know, I both of those guys were, like, huge for me getting my, you know, reinvigorating my love for professional wrestling. And so it was crazy for me as a wrestling fan to see them both doing like this show in a that is you know in some way related to wwe together it was it was wild it, it was very wild and uh yeah it was it was it was crazy for sure um but yeah right, well, and i just hope i really hope that people don't start I, this, this whole shill thing for me has been frustrating where <laughs> people are calling me a shill now because like I'm not working for WWE, you know, and 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 you know how hard it is, Nick, to sometimes get confirmation on stories. So what are you talking I, about? You know, what are you talking about? No way. This business, <laughs> this business of open doors. Go ahead. <laughs> so if I can open that door a little wider and 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 be able to get a little more clarity on things and 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 work together with them on things, like I feel like that's a really good plus for professional wrestling, like for for wrestling fans. I agree. I agree. Good example. Just this morning, uh, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, the the news about Tom Lawler leaving MLW came about. I needed to know is he going to appear at the Opera Cup, the next upcoming MLW show he's advertised to. Reach out to Court Bauer, got right back to me. Very open, transparent, confirmed that's his last show. I love that, right? Good communication. Yeah, it's great. You good communication. You all have questions. We get you answers. News. It's wonderful. Yeah, um it's very wonderful. 
It's re- very wonderful. Reliable news. All right. Lastly, and uh, Ryan, I'm a little over on time, but I did want to squeak or eke this one in here. You know, you have now. Don't, don't rush. I'm I'm fine on time. Okay. Okay. I just uh, everybody knows you from your time on TMZ. You're now on WWE backstage. You're continuing your role as breaking news person. How does your time in, in backstage uh, compare to to what your time was like on TMZ? They're very different environments, you know. I think that you know TMZ. The whole th- concept there is. Like the people who are on the show actually work for the website. So it's not glamorous for them. Like they're not like the people they're covering. They're they're regular people who are working long hours, just like you, who have opinions about celebrities. And so, um, you know, it's done on a budget. You know, it's it's filmed at seven in the morning. It's it's. Um, very much like a um, heckling environment, so it's it's you got to be on your toes. You know, you have to be ready to make fun of your what? boss. <laughs> okay, which is not easy. Uh, did that ever grade on? And, did that ever grade on you? Where you're like, I know this is all uh, every day, Nick. Every day, because you're like, you can't make him look too. You can't make your boss look too bad on TV because he will get you back for it when you're. <laughs> and not like he's gonna like punish you. I mean, but like you know, like. You make your boss look like an idiot on TV later in the day when you don't want him to be mad at you at something. It's not the easiest sell, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, of course, you know? I mean, like, that environment's tough. So you're, like, making fun of someone on TV for millions of people internationally. You think that person's going to be pumped about you all day because, like, you're it was just for TV? No, it's tough in that environment. <laughs> And so this is, you know, it, it, it's diff, it's very different. And 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 you know, this I'm, you know, there's a wardrobe department, there's makeup people, there's like someone asking me if, hey, like, do you need water? You know, <laughs> like, so it's 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 very very different environments. I'm still getting used to it. Um, and and also, you know, like, it's no secret that I am someone who's broken stories on people that maybe they didn't always want out there in the past. So it's also something where like I, you know, I gotta eat shit sometimes too for that um and just kind of like deal with that so they're they're different environments they both have their uh they they both have their perks and they both have their uh differences or whatever but i'm loving backstage so far i mean like everyone there has been so nice the producers are awesome like jacob ullman the guy who's you know jacob and ben grossman like they're just like such good guys and and the best part about it is like they're not like these tv executives who don't know anything about wrestling like they're they're lifelong wrestling fans you know like yeah. and Brad Weimer and and Spoon who are the coordinated producers like they're you know they they know what they're doing Brad is like huge 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 wrestling fan watches everything you know like these aren't just like guys who think they can make money off of WWE that are doing this show and that are you know heading up the the wrestling content at you know WWE content at Fox Sports like these are all passionate wrestling fans so honestly that's the biggest difference for me that I love and you know you watched TMZ um you saw my coverage there you know when I would bring up wrestling I would just get made fun of by the entire room for being a grown man who watches wrestling. Yes. And so I would constantly be on this TV show internationally defending wrestling, which is how I gained an audience to a certain degree because yeah. people felt bad that I always make that I was always dealing with a room full of people making fun of me for watching wrestling. Right. So um it's very different to go from that 
to where I had to fight for wrestling to, to get that wrestling coverage because I felt like there was an audience for it. And there was, and I proved it to them. Um, to go from that to this, where I'm in a room full of people who understand the, the, the wrestling audience, who know how big it is, who, who want to create something that wrestling fans will love. You know, before it was me. But I was trying to create something that wrestling fans would love. But now I'm like in a whole, you know, production full of people who want to do the same thing, who have the exact same message. And to me, that's what I love so much about it is like you can probably well, you could probably understand this, although you've you know had employees that you work with in, in, in wrestling now. But like, you know, a lot of times I'm sure a lot of people can understand, you know, know what it's like to go work in an office where you're the only person who watches wrestling and people are like oh, that's dumb, and you're always in this constant, like, thing where you're, like, telling people why wrestling is awesome, you know? I, I even had to do it at Collider when I started there, and 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 and, and so, you know, it's it's this, like, constant thing where you're like, this is why wrestling's great, and, and it's always an uphill battle, and you gotta convince them, and so it's so, so, so rewarding and so cool to be in a room full of people who just wanna make cool stuff for wrestling fans, who just wanna make... A, a, a show that wrestling fans will truly enjoy. You know, I think that that's the ultimate goal with this show is to to give you one of those, you know, podcast studio show type experiences where you're hearing people you love, you know, people you respect giving various takes on the business and, and, and fun things related to wrestling where it's kind of talking smackish as well. Like these are all things that they really want to make happen. And so that's that's really the biggest difference, Nick, is that like it's really cool to be in a room full of creative people who all have the same goal of making cool stuff for wrestling fans. I, I, I love that because I, I I not not being forced to get over that hurdle of convincing them that there's an audience and just getting to like hit the ground running. And they're like, no, no, we know there's an audience. Now let's let's give them cool stuff. That to me is what I've been wanting for about 10 years now. So that's the coolest thing for me. Do you think this uh, parlays into you doing watch alongs, kickoff panels, things like that? Do you see is this uh, the, the door opening for, for more opportunities like that in your direction in the WWE? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I, I doubt it. You know, I, I think that right now I'm a Fox thing, you know, I'm, I'm still very much like the news guy. So I, I don't know if it, if it did, I mean, I don't see a problem with it necessarily. I, I, you know, Dave Meltzer did like, you know, New Japan pre-shows and he was on the AEW, um, the countdown thing for, for their first episode, I think, or full, full uh, double or nothing. One of the two all out, one of those things. So I don't see it as any, like re- being any different. Um, and, and I don't see it as any different than like Ari Hawani, I believe did stuff with UFC while he was still covering sure. um, the business. So the- I, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't think it'll lead to that, but I also don't see how it would be an issue. You know, I, I, I really don't, um, but I don't see it leading to that. No, I think that right now um, my opinions aren't really what are what they, what anyone is looking for. I think that people really just want my, uh, the news credibility that I bring in and some people might, think that maybe that's not a thing but you know i i would disagree with you i think that you know i did a, i i feel like my track record speaks for itself and i think that that's really what they see is like you know he has credibility in the news business in the wrestling news business and he also isn't someone who seems to hate what he's watching you know <laughs> like like i i think you know, obviously there's times when i'm critical of stuff but for the most part i think that i'm a pretty positive guy when it comes to the stuff i'm watching in wrestling so i think that also factors in 
Ryan, uh, very excited for you. Again, every Tuesday night, 11, 10 Central, FS1 is WWE backstage. Uh, anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview today? Uh, no, like you said, WWE backstage. And then you can check out my website every week, ProWrestlingSheet.com, at WrestlingSheet on social media. And my sh- podcast slash uh, YouTube show comes out every Thursday night, Friday morning. It's called Wrestling Sheet Radio. Uh, this week we talked about... Uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and a few of the top stories of the week. So go make sure you check that out. Thank you, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news the past five days. Uh, and mm. thank you very much to Tony Khan and Ryan Satin. Just, again, that slam banger to start the week here this week, Michael. I'm just so jacked on it. And tomorrow, we are going to keep this gravy train rolling because, like I teased at the top of the show, uh, Hugo Savinovich is going to be on tomorrow, uh, and we are also going to have the full audio from the Triple H NXT media call, which happens tomorrow morning. So Triple H and Hugo, I mean, if you like today, you're going to love tomorrow, I, I promise you. And, of course, uh, tomorrow, Justin Labar will join me again to talk uh, the news of the day. Uh, I want to also remind everybody that I'm going to be on site, Allstate Arena, uh, SmackDown, War Games. Uh, I will be at Survivor Series, Raw. I will do the post-show scrum. And also, by the way, next Wednesday, AEW's in Chicago. I'm going to five events in six days here in (laughs) Chicago. And then I'm going to eat some turkey and pass out for three days uh, in California after Thanksgiving. Uh, So, you know, bottom line, Follow us. Support the site. Follow us. uh, And uh, go over to the iTunes channel, Wrestling Inc. Audio. Subscribe. Five-star ratings. Nice comments. Let a friend know this is your place to be for all your pro wrestling news. Michael, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up today? Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter. I am at The Real Wise, but I am edging ever close to 1,000 followers. So my 1,000th follower, I'll send you an old copy of Raw Magazine from my stacks of the archives in here. Um, And uh, yeah, other than that, I'll be back Friday night uh, covering doing social media for Wrestling Inc. for SmackDown and the post-game show with Matt Morgan and um, Glenn Rubenstein. So uh, check us out. There it is, everybody. And I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter, W-I-N-C Rebel. Thank you all very much for tuning in. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.